I'd like to welcome you to uh, the podcast-a-sphere. Hello, everyone. We are in it. We're out there with all those incredible listeners who have given us some of their time. Thank you all so much. Yes, thank you very, very much for listening on this 37th episode episode of You'll Die Trying. I'm Jonathan. I'm Nathan. Welcome to the show. So I've had this uh, thing where I'm getting phone calls at my practice uh, for people who are wanting to schedule having teeth removed. Teeth? Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Well, I don't know. Apparently, my phone number is either very close to a dentist's phone number or people have transcribed it. But here's the thing. It's the calls are coming through my Psychology Today profile. What? I've had a call from... Campbellsville, Kentucky, and from Bowling Green, Kentucky, both trying to schedule teeth removals because they're having bad toothaches, and they're calling me to schedule that. Is this real? This is a true story. And they're getting my number through Psychology Today because every time someone looks up my profile and calls me through Psychology Today, I get an email about it saying... Here's the person who's just called you. They located your profile via the Psychology Today register. So isn't that weird? Is that coinciding with that new show on Netflix? I've not seen it yet, so don't be all upset with me. There's a show apparently that has to do with like your teeth and like, making you have anxiety and all this other stuff. I haven't heard of that, so I can't speak to whether it I does mean, or it, doesn't. It might be fiction and <laughs> a drama series, and I'm just scrolling through. I'm going to look it up on my phone. I'm guessing that it is It is probably something of, of, of fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. You know the, the phrase, truth is stranger than fiction? Yes. I believe that. Do you? Yeah. So, do you want to elaborate on that? Well, you know, there are stories that you will tell or that other people will tell. And yeah. they will say, you can't make this stuff up. Right? Yeah. You can make up other stuff, but you can't make up this stuff. It's just too far out there. Because it's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I I mean, I've heard plenty of stories where you're like, wow, you definitely can't make that up. How about you create a story right now because you're really good at this stuff. You create a story and embed one piece of false. I have a, a, an adaptation of that that we could both do together. Let's do it. <clears throat> this this let's play two truths and a lie. Okay. Where you say two things that are true. Okay. And one thing that isn't. That's why they call it well, you know, two truths and a lie. And then I have to judge whether w- which the thing you're lying you're is. You're going to get me every time. You will get me I'm every time. I'm bad at this game cuz I can never come up with anything. I just like to come up with the lies. I can't come up with the truths. Okay, you can literally off the cuff say the most random, <laughs> ridiculous things. So you're telling me you can't come up with two truths. I'm not and good one at one. it. I'm not good at this game. It's a terrible <sighs> idea. You just came up. That's your idea. Not all of my ideas are great ones. I 
I would disagree. Well, a, a lot of them aren't. Some of them aren't. I've had a few that aren't. No, this is the only one. I want to apologize because I feel like I only compliment you when we're podcasting. So that's not good. <laughs> I mean, I should probably focus on. Well, I should focus on being more complimentary off. I was going to say off camera, but off mic. Off mic. Speaking of cameras, when's that happening? Have you talked to our videographer, no. Nathan Morris? Oh, no. If you hear a drill in the background, that's in the other room of uh, Wonderboy Media. They're running another phone system. It's the sound of progress. Uh, thank you. I like that. We are uh, <clears throat> we're coming to you though on Tuesday, January 22nd. It's the day after Martin Luther King's celebration day. And uh, I wonder, Nathan, if you have any particular ways that you think about uh, Martin Luther King on this time of year. That was the truth, by the way. That was the truth. Yes, got that right. I think that it is uh, impeccable what he and had done because he stood up. He believed in something so greatly that he risked life and limb to, to see that through. Yeah. And it paved the way for so many others um, seeking justice and, and respect and inclusion. And I think that, that he should be a, an example to many that if you really truly believe in something, you literally can create a movement. Did you know that he created a movement? Busloads of people would go just to listen to him oh, speak. Oh, because gosh, they, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you've ever seen the crowd that was on the mall, uh, streaming out from the Lincoln Memorial on which he stood to give his speech mm -hmm. there at the, the march in D.C. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, it seems. It was you, unbelievable. You believe in something so greatly, you can genuinely like tweak the course of history. You know, and he was quite reluctant to take on the mantle of that responsibility. Because he was just an average Joe. He was. Uh, I can't speak for, but I would. Assume, he was, just he, like he was a pastor, the son of a pastor, uh, and had his PhD from Boston uh, University. And I think he went to maybe he went to Morehouse for his undergrad. I can't remember that actually. I don't have it in front of me. But um, he he was a stellar thinker and writer already. Uh, and there was something that the community in Montgomery saw in him to tap him for that responsibility. But he was he was reluctant, and of course he didn't do it by himself. There are a lot of people who stood beside him day in and day out and did that. And I, as I've told you before, Joy and I went to Memphis recently, and we were at the Lorraine Hotel uh, where he would stay. There's some debate about how often he would stay there, and when you read all the investigation into who did it and why, you hear, you know, oh, this is his first time, and, and one of his inner circle communicated what room he was in to the, you know, all oh, this is like conspiracy stuff, which is fascinating, mm -hmm. but he was there. There's evidence that he'd been there before and had a particular room, and they have the room kind of staged like it was when he left. Nothing in it has changed, and there you stand 10 feet away from where he was gunned down because of his willingness to stand up and speak out uh, against a culture of violence and exclusion against an entire race of people based on the color of their skin. And he also spoke out against the Vietnam War later on in his career. And uh, it's it's been noted that the, uh, the FBI might have encouraged him to take himself out um, so that they didn't have to do it, maybe. Their letters and such like that's fascinating, fascinating stuff. Wow. So he was definitely a threat, <clears throat> which raises two questions for me. On the one hand, 
I'd like to talk a little bit about vocation. Because obviously King heard a calling, heard a voice, so to speak, not literally, maybe. And the, the, the Latin root for vocation is vocare, which comes from voice or, or call. So he, he followed what he believed to be his calling. And there's something to be said about that. I want to talk about that for a second. The other half of it is observe what happens to people who do what he did. Whether it's Gandhi, well, whether it's Jesus or Gandhi or King or Oscar Romero in in, uh, El Salvador, people who stand up and speak out with compassion and nonviolence get gunned down every single time. Whether it's a... On a magnificent scale or a smaller one, nonetheless. Yeah. They are. Wow. So that is, that is the, the reality of the world in which we live. That's what we mean when, when, when we talk about or when the Bible talks about principalities and powers. That there are powers, not supernatural. I mean, maybe so, maybe not. I don't know. I'm agnostic about that. I don't know. It's not my experience. My experience, though, is that... When people stand up and speak truth to power, power handles them, puts them in their place, or eliminates them. That's what power does. That's what power needs. Wow. Mind blown. So our responsibility, I think, as truth tellers, especially people who fall in the lines within some kind of religious tradition, whichever it may be, all of them across the board are interested in, t- in speaking the truth about things, especially regarding um, cultural, the cultural milieu in which we find ourselves and the, the devastating impacts of selfishness, corruption, and greed. Um, but people benefit from those impacting things. And when you challenge them, you um, typically get defeated. When you're at the National Civil Rights Museum there at the Lorraine uh, in Memphis, there you watch a little video. And the video explains how Abraham Lincoln, who is often romanticized as being a sympathizer with the African-American slave community, really was uh, just, basically it was a, a powerful military slash political response to the fear of the, the South's uprising. And so making slave illegal crippled the Southern economy so that it, it gave the, the North a chance to, to be victorious. Now, there were people obviously who were against slavery in both the South and the North. Primarily, though, the North, it was illegal. Um, but the decision to emancipate, it was argued in that film, was a strategic military response and political response to cripple the Southern economy, making it harder for them to to fight and later win the war, which, of course, they couldn't and didn't. Even though I'm a Virginian and there are still people who think that you know the war is still going. That one day they will win. It's like watching Titanic over and over and expecting to have a different result.
they're not going to hit the iceberg this time. They're not going to do that. No, they're going to live. Jack. So, uh, so anyway, about this vocation piece, calling, right? So, so there's this, uh, this writer named Frederick Beekner who has a very often quoted phrase about vocation. It's a part of a longer description of his understanding of vocation. And he says this. He says, vocation is the place where you are called. And the place where you are called by God to be is the place where your deep hunger... No, scratch. It's the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So imagine an intersection where the road that is your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger cross. Right there, that's where you are called. Which means for someone like King, his gladness was in in representing people and proclaiming the gospel and speaking up on behalf of people. And the world's hunger had to do with inclusion and a shift in the racial makeup of the landscape of the country. And he found himself at that, at that vocational spot where he believed he was called to speak out of his gladness into that dark hunger and make something of it. And he did. I think people, myself included at times, you, you, you fear rising up and leading a charge, if you will. Yeah. Because you will. What did you say? You will be essentially... I mean, at some point you're neutralized. You are. Yeah. And that's scary, right? Yeah. I mean, it is. It's scary to sit here and acknowledge that. But if you truly believe in something, whatever that movement that you are wanting to create, I think that, you know, if we, let's just be very transparent, if we have the honor to live at a very old age and, you know, death doesn't take us or or whatever, the extreme, mm-hmm. you know, tragic thing that happened to yeah. King, um, there is an opportunity to get back up, mm-hmm. right? So I guess that's my encouragement. If like you fight for what you believe in, you literally persevere regardless. You can get dismantled. Is that, would that be right? Yeah, that's yeah. a good word. Yeah, dismantled, but you just hop back on the on the horse. Well, it it this is on my mind too, I guess, because I um uh, for Christmas, Joy gave me this beautiful gift of going to see. Um, the Broadway, brand new Broadway rendition of To Kill a Mockingbird. And the the stage version of the story um, is, this, what's the the play? The It's not a screenplay because it's not on a screen, but the script for the stage. Playwright? That's the person who did it. The Playbill. S- the, that's the little program you get when you walk in. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the script was written by Aaron Sorkin, who is an Emmy and Golden Globe winning uh, guy who he was behind the West Wing and other, you know, brilliant stuff. So so he has he has written an adaptation for the stage of Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird and Jeff Daniel is playing Atticus Finch. So I'm super excited about it. You know, uh, one of our girls is named Scout after the character Scout in the play, because that play, that book has meant so much to me personally. And really, it's a devastating story. It's a tragedy 
uh, if you haven't read it. I don't think it's a spoiler because it's kind of like popular culture and you should have probably read it by now, but Especially, yes, it no was, judgment if you haven't, yeah, go read it. Sorry. But at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, the guy, the, the African-American who's accused of, of raping someone, Atticus Finch is defending him, and he loses that case. And there's the scene in the movie where uh, Atticus Finch is leaving the courtroom after the verdict, and everyone's, you know, really sad and stuff. But, you know, in our day, well, I'll, I'll skip to that. He, everyone's sad. And Atticus Finch packs his briefcase and goes to leave. And in the gallery above the courtroom, which is where the uh, the African Americans must sit, the the blacks only section, they all stand out of a deep reverence for Atticus Finch. And here is what Aaron Sorkin said about this scene. He said, "That is every white liberal's fantasy that an African American." reward you and honor you and salute you for having accepted and included them as a person. And so he took that scene out of the play. Wow. Out of this brave assertion that it is not heroic to represent an African-American, innocent or not, in a community where they were excluded. That was not the heroic act. I guess what was heroic uh, was that he he put so much of his his life behind you know this belief, and he himself was not uh, a par- party to the same kind of racist tendencies that the people in his town were with the lynchings and the backwoods and that kind of thing. But when he said when Aaron Sorkin said that uh, it was like on a sixty minutes interview or something that it was every white person's fantasy that the black community will thank you for standing up for them. It just goes to reassert that we don't believe that African Americans are people. I mean, that hit me like a ton. Of course we believe that you and I talking, of course we do, but there are people out there who continue to struggle and uh, the African American community deserves our advocacy we do not deserve gratitude for that advocacy because that's like expecting your child to tell the truth and you thank them every time they told the truth. You don't get thanks for telling the truth. Right. That's what's expected of you. In the same way, we are expected to advocate for uh, respect and justice regardless of whom we are representing. So it's very powerful. And I'm excited to go to see this. I mean, this is... Like, when are you doing this? Gift. It's sometime in March. That's exciting. And... Uh, yeah, can't wait, can't wait. Hope it's not one of those times where you get the playbill and there's a little slip of paper and says, the understudy for Jeff Daniel will be, you know, oh. and it's somebody else. It's okay, no big deal. It's, it's still going to be great. But Jeff, if you're listening, do not, in March, be out yeah, sick with yeah. like... Carry forward, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, push through. <laughs> As a result, I've been thinking about that whole vocation thing uh, where that... that that uh, story of Martin Luther King comes into play, and as we, of course, relate to it with the events of, of what unfolds in the fictional story of To Kill a Mockingbird, which, of course, isn't really fiction at all, right? In the same way that the parable of the Good Samaritan is fiction and that Jesus wasn't thinking of a particular Samaritan, but it was still a true story. Guaranteeing, once again, the fact that the Bible is true and some of it happened, Right. There's still truth regardless of the historicity of it. 
There doesn't have to have been a good Samaritan and a guy who was beaten and left for dead. The point is always, always, always love and serve people as people, regardless of whether you agree with him or not. That is a great nugget to take with you today. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's end on two truths and a lie. Oh, gosh. You first. Okay. I'm trying to think of truths that you wouldn't know and that I haven't uh, spoken about here. I know, right? Um, Or that you haven't told me private. I have... Never been involved in a public form of protest. Okay. Number two, I have never seen Dumb and Dumber. Jeff Daniels, good job. Number three, I have been a part of a uh, worshiping community in every living world religion with the exception of Zoroastrianism. What in the world? I don't know. I'm just coming up with those. I told you I'm not good at this. I I I don't even remember what my first one was. Your first one was you've never been a part of a protest. Okay, that's right. Public protest. I don't remember. You never watched Dumb and Dumber, and then the third one was I don't even know how to pronounce that. You said truth is stranger than... I've been in a worshiping community of all the world's major religions. I mean, except truth is stranger than fiction. So that's strange as I'll get out. So I'm going to say that's true. See, that phrase comes in handy. So that is true. I can't tell you. You just have to pick up. Dumb and Dumber. I mean, that's strange that you haven't seen that movie. It's okay. I'm a limo driver. You've seen that movie. Uh, have I? You've seen that movie. The 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 the, the That's the, the lie. The lie is that. Okay. That's my answer. Uh, no. I'm so defeated. It was the first one. You've never partook in a public protest? No. You've never... Never. You've never seen Dumb and Dumber? I've never seen Dumb and Dumber. I I like how you're bothered by that, but you're not bothered by the fact that I haven't been been in a a part of a protest speaking up for justice. I'm sorry, everyone. All right. So good. So I I was um, successful in that round. Jeez. One nothing. Your turn. One nothing? Mm-hmm. This is it. We're just doing one round. That's fine. Winner take all. That's fine. Okay, your turn. Uh, these are like the. See, it's hard. Blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Never seen Dumb and Dumber. <sighs> I've never seen The Godfather. I've never seen the. I've never seen The Godfather either. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> dropped the nail in the tuna. <laughs> it's a uh, all that skit. Whenever the '90s Nickelodeon. I'm, I'm thinking, everyone, give me a moment. Give me a moment. I had a turtle run away when I was like six years old. I made a wall out of bricks. I used to wear Jinko jeans and I Mm. I'm trying to think. I've never been to Alaska. The third one is the lie. 
See, because you're a psychologist and you know this so well. It's like, I don't know. That's very correct. It's okay. very true. Good. I did wear Jinko jeans. Uh, yes. I think I've, I've uh, well, I could at least imagine that. So, so you're saying that when people take a really long time to come up with something, they're lying? Uh, not always. Sometimes they can come uh, come to that very quickly if it's been premeditated and they give a lot of detail. But notice you just said, I had a runaway turtle and I built a brick wall. And that's all very kind of generic. Had you been like, I built this wall out of red sandstone and it was like two and a half feet tall. And I would have known you were trying too hard. And that was probably a lie. But the fact that you came up with two things really quickly, it's harder <laughs> to come up with a lie. And that took I'm you I'm really not a good liar. I mean, That's I'm good. really not. That's good. I know it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm such a terrible I'm not, liar. I don't want to be anyway. If I am, I don't want to be. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested well. in that. So uh, speaking of, of lying, we, we often lie to ourselves when we feel ourselves called to do something and we tell ourselves that we're not. And your vocation is that place where you are called to be, whether it's comfortable or not. Rather than lie to ourselves about it, go there. Go to that beautiful, holy intersection of where what you know you are uh, needing to do meets what you know needs to be done. It could be small, everyday thing. It could be a gigantic life course change. Regardless, go to that place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. Yes, and I'll end on saying, please go to anchor.fm forward slash you'll die trying. And we'll end on that note so I can eat this delicious piece of cheesecake that I don't really have because that was a lie. Ah, <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's true that we want you to go anchor.fm forward slash you'll die trying. Yeah, and I really do wish I had a piece of cheesecake. You'll die trying podcast on Instagram and you'll die trying on Facebook. Let us know what you want to hear. We will meet you there. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan. I'm Nathan. Till next time.